Hello everybody, welcome to your Blood Red podcast. I'm Andy Kelly uh, and I'm joined by James Pierce and Ian Doyle. Um, What's James's job title, Andy? He is full-time Liverpool FC reporter Excellent. and uh, as I've said on many occasions, you're part-time everything, Doyle. But uh, anyway, on we go. Uh, we're looking back at a victory over Derby in the EFL Cup and we're looking forward to the whole game tomorrow. And we'll start with that whole game if we can because... Uh, Jim, some breaking news tonight uh, from uh, sources at Melwood tell us that Loris Karius uh, will be starting in goal for Liverpool tomorrow. Yeah, we understand that Jurgen Klopp re- relayed that decision to the to the players today at Melwood. Um, it's a huge call. I think um, you know, it was a difficult decision for the manager to make. I think it was one probably he hasn't had to take up until now. I mean, when I was on the tour back in the summer and you know, the, 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 the vibes you were getting then was that that Carrius would be the number one. He'd start the season um, as the number one. He'd given up on playing for Germany at the Olympics because of that. Uh, then obviously the broken hand changed everything. Um, you know that meant that Mignolet kept his place, and you know, I think the waters were muddied slightly by just how well Mignolet has done because you know his his form has been excellent. I think in the first six weeks of the season, you think about big saves he made, at, you know, the one at Tottenham. And the one against Leicester, he's been an important part of, of Liverpool's success so far. And obviously, Carrier sat on the bench for a couple of games. Then the League Cup tie was the obvious way to ease him in. Uh, he didn't have much to do the other night when me and Ian were, were down at the iPro. Um, and then, you know, so it was kind of all eyes on the whole game this Saturday. And uh, it's, 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 you know, it's, I think you know, it's not a great surprise because Klopp obviously signed Carrier to be the number one. But I think it, it just feels like quite a, a tough call on Mignolet um, when a player's being dropped without really doing much wrong. Yeah, and I suspect plenty of fans will be happy with the news in that there's been a nervousness uh, with Mignolet. We saw that at the Leicester game at Anfield, especially when uh, the keeper had the ball at his feet. But it does feel to me like a bit of a gamble and probably an unnecessary one for me because you know Mignolet has been solid enough I know we haven't kept a clean sheet in the uh, league this season but there's, yeah, I'm struggling to think of any of those goals that could be put down to uh, to his fault uh, what do you think? I mean it's a big three points it feels like against Hull tomorrow I think James mentioned then about it was a difficult decision for, for Klopp but I think James you probably agree with me in the fact that the minute he signed Carrius I think he knew he was going to be his number one I think only events after that have transpired or conspired that he didn't start the season because he was injured and then of course Mignolet's played well I mean probably Mignolet himself would have known that Carrius was going to be the number one and you have to say that he's responded really really well to it I agree with you I don't think Carrius should play against Hull I didn't see anything in the Derby game Uh, I mean yes he has a high starting position he came out really well for that challenge on Darren Bent Flaps at a corner, put a few of his clearances straight into the stand that I could see. I mean, I, I gave him a six in the ratings, and quite a lot of people had a go at me, which was I thought was a little bit harsh. I mean, they I, thought I, it I, should I have been higher. Well, they, I mean, they assumed that they thought it would have been, he should have been a seven or an eight. But I think that's a lot of people who were just were just worried that. I mean, you know that some people have uh, conspiracy theories about everything. Whether there's a conspiracy theory not to have carriers in the team because they've been waiting so long to see him, or I, I, don't, I don't know. But I just thought it was a six because he didn't have a lot to do. I, think I, mean, he, I mean, he missed a punch, but then I reckon nearly every game you see in, in the Premier League, at least one, the keeper will miss at least one punch and it yeah. tends not to go in. That's just what happens. Yeah. That's the way the number of corners and set pieces, they don't get everything. I think there was, although he didn't really have much to do in the entire game, I think we, we still saw the other night why Klopp wanted him. Yeah. Because you see 
the impact it has on Liverpool. But I mean, he has such a ridiculously high starting position that obviously we were there. And you know, at times when Liverpool were attacking, Carrius was on the edge of the centre circle, and obviously that has an impact in terms of how high up you defend. And then you know, it kind of helps that the pressing game that Klopp wants Liverpool to play. And the you know, then if teams want to try and knock it over the top into the space behind. You've got Carrius, who's a, you know he's he's a modern day sweeper keeper like Neuer, and so he, he, he there's no doubt that he certainly does offer certain qualities that Mignolet doesn't have, um, and I think effectively that is why you know there was a there was a quote from Klopp yesterday which n- now knowing what we know is, is I think kind of underlines it where he said you know if you win a game two 0 you could still change a midfielder for the next game because you think you could have won that game three 0 and. You know, I think that was what he was almost getting at. That you know, yes, it's been a great start, but he thinks that the inclusion of Carrius will, will will give Liverpool another dimension. But you know, it's certainly a gamble. You know, I was just mentioning a video we've done there about the situation. The one thing I do think it'll help with is that nervousness I mentioned among the crowd. I think the crowd will get right behind the new goalkeeper, and and hopefully that will sort of you know have a kick-on effect to the team. I mean, that's the argument, isn't it? It's the reason there is nervousness. Around Mignolet, even when he's playing well, it's because there's been three years of evidence of him, you know, being a little bit nervous, certainly with the ball at his feet, maybe coming for some crosses. Which, in all honesty, it's been about eighteen months since you've ever really, you know, massively concerned when the ball was in the earth. His punch has got a lot better, hasn't it? Because he's been more decisive, and I think that's something. If you remember the uh, the infamous Burnley game from. uh, Couple of seasons back, where he, you know, what? No, maybe no. <laughs> yeah, he, he could, yeah, he couldn't decide whether to keep the ball in. No, just keep, let it run out. Um, no, I think I can see why Jurgen Klopp's done it. A bit harsh on Mignolet, but you know, as James said, it is about improving the team. And you know, Jurgen Klopp seems to believe that Carius is a better goalkeeper than Mignolet. And now we're going to have the chance now over the next few weeks and months, and possibly the whole season, to find out whether he's right. Yeah, Premier League debut, Anfield debut. It's going to be a big day for. Uh, Loris Carius, and uh, let's hope he has a, a you know a win to celebrate his uh, his uh, his big day. Um, we'll go back to uh, his his other big day, his his competitive debut down at the iPro on Tuesday. You were both down there. I've only watched the game, um, the full game of LFC TV actually. Um, it, it was Big Jan said it was a ruthless display uh, from Liverpool in his uh, his column in the Echo today. Uh, James, I thought it was for about 70 minutes and then the last 20 minutes uh, I thought it was absolutely terrible football, (laughs) I mean two teams who couldn't find a player wearing the same kit to pass to it was absolutely shocking and I think it was indicative of Derby having given up and indicative of what happens even to a team that's really playing well like Liverpool if you just take your foot off the gas that little iota Yeah, I mean it wasn't, it was was a non-event to be honest, Um, Derby have obviously had a disastrous start to the season in the Championship, um, and you know you just got the feeling that they've got much more important things on their mind. You know the League Cup was a was a bit of an irrelevance to them. You know they need to try and turn around their league form, and they they never looked like hurt like hurt in Liverpool. I mean as we said, you know, Carriers had one thing to do really in, in the entire game. Um, the bat line were very rarely stretched. Um, you know the first goal was a gift with some shambolic defending from a corner and Clavan scored. And then it was just that early burst, that first 10 minutes of the second half when they when they scored the two goals and Coutinho and Firmino just, just ripped them apart. And then it was over and the clock made changes and you're right, the tempo dropped and it was it was like a training session, to be honest, the last 20, 25 minutes. Um, I hope but... we never train as badly as that again. <laughs> I tell you that. But I mean, as far, I think as far as Klopp and Liverpool were concerned, it was perfect because... You know, it was it was as far away from a, a strenuous exercise at a lower league 
ground that you could possibly get. Perfect chance, Doyle, to bring in uh, Marco Gruic, uh, yeah. who we saw for the first time in centre of midfield. Big lad. Um, our own Neil Jones had a chat with him this week about strengthening up in the gym and, and that sort of thing. Uh, what did you What did you make of him? Well, he's, he's big. I think it's the first thing you noticed. He was big compared to most rest of the other players. He's... Um, I mean, I know he's the same squad number 16. I mentioned this on on the night that he, he does have a touch of Dietmar Haman about him, just in the way that he kind of, he's quite languid in the way that he plays. He he likes to stroke it about. He doesn't mind putting his foot in. I mean, he's, he seems to be a bit more attacking than, than Didi was. I mean, a couple of times he was, you know, getting in on the inside the area in the six-yard box. Didn't get on the end of anything, but he was there just in case anything broke. Likes a shot as well, doesn't he? He does like a shot, yeah. Uh, well, again, that's like, that's like Diddy, isn't it? Except mm. maybe some more of his will go in rather than miles over. It's only if, he's, only if he learns the the act of winning a free kick while trying to shield the ball out for throwing, then that'll be, he'll have true Herman status then. And go uh, down really slowly yeah, as yeah, you do yeah, it. Yeah, wasting a little bit of time in the process. But no, I, th- I was quite impressed. I mean, he faded a bit in the second half, but then... A couple of know, silly fouls which seemed to be maybe down to tiredness well, as I mean, well. there is that plus, you know, as James said, by then the game was just... I can't even remember anything that happened in the last 20 minutes. It was just... It was just, it was, it was that easy. I mean, it was funny because it started... Liverpool started well, then there was about 10 minutes where the... I wouldn't say they lost the way, but the kind of derby just gave it a little bit of, you know, chink of you know light or hope, and then Liverpool scored and start the second half. That was it. Coutinho just turned it on for ten minutes, and then he went off. Job done. Yeah, James. There wasn't even a decent foul out of derby. They were really were poor for me, and uh, it, it didn't tell us anything, did it? Um, we got Clavan back on the pitch, which probably needed a little confidence booster after uh, Burnley when things didn't go yeah. so well, and it was. Uh, more time. I thought Lucas was excellent. Um, I, I'm currently about to launch my own personal campaign that we don't <laughs> go through the next transfer window <laughs> with Lucas um, about to go somewhere. For me, came in against Leicester. I know he made the big mistake, but for most of the game, yeah. was excellent centre-back and just came in, slotted into uh, that defensive midfield position. And um, for me, uh, you know, I think, let's just say to him, look, we're going to you know, keep you here for a couple of years. Obviously, they have to sort his contract out. It's up at the end of the year. I think you've told me so. Um, you know, I think he he did well again, and uh, and uh, I thought Alberto Moreno was pretty decent. Give the side some balance down that side, despite the shocking haircut. Obviously, yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you're right about Lucas. I think he um you know he, he has done really well. And you know, you take that one glaring mistake out, and anyway, and he, you can see why now Klopp was so determined to keep hold of him this summer. Because he is so versatile, he can you know, he can do a job, he can slot in, and he's got that wealth of experience in quite a young squad. You know, it's not it's not bursting with real leaders and big personalities in the dressing room, and he is one of them. So I think Liverpool are certainly better off for having Lucas than than, than not having him. I think it was also a big night for Ovi Ajaria as well. I thought um, it was great to see him get a run out late on. Um, because I think there's no doubt it's more difficult for the youngsters this season with the with no Europe. There's fewer games. Going to be fewer opportunities. It's not going to be like last season where seven or eight of them make a debut. Um, but you know, it was. I think that was a reward for the the great progress he's made because you know, I spoke to Klopp about Ajaria on the tour in, in America over, over the summer, and he said that he he was he's been blown away by just how much he's come on. And he said it was that warm weather training camp in Tenerife in March when he first came to his attention, and and said you know ever since then he's taken on board what he's asked from him. Um, and, he, and he really, really rates him highly. You know, it's not a manager just paying lip service to youth development. You know, he wants to give these kids chances, and that was reward for not just Ajari, not just the talent he's shown, but 
the attitude and the application as well. I can't remember whether it was you, James, who was speaking to before the game, but in reference to Lucas, Danny Ings obviously came on at half an hour, and he's one of these players where this season you sit there and go, well, when's he going to play? He's not going to play many games, but he could be like Lucas in, in respect that he could be playing the, I think it was mentioned about playing the long game, because you have to assume Liverpool are going to, the way they're going, the you know, European qualification, that's got to be the minimum target now. So, they, lose more games next season. so they know they're going to play a lot more games yeah. next season. I mean, OK, Ings has been injured and he's a lot younger than Lucas, but I think for the pair of them, they'll both be thinking, hang on, if we you know, just stick around you know, next season, we could be playing a lot more. Definitely, because I thought, I mean, I don't know, you thought, I thought that Danny Ings looked a little bit sort of lacking in sharpness. There's a couple of half chances he had where if he'd maybe been sharper, he could have been on to them. Obviously, he's been playing a bit of under-23s football, um, and uh, if you want rustiness, Emre Chan when he came on, he, he seemed like he, didn't, he hadn't played football for about six years. To be honest, in the first twenty minutes, he got a bit better towards the end. But bearing in mind, as you've mentioned, it was one of the worst twenty minutes you've ever seen in the history of football. I think you've just described it. Uh, it's hard to tell, but with Emre Chan, you can see why. You know, there was a bit of. We were talk, I think the last podcast we were talking about where is he? What's up with him? Maybe he's just been slightly more injured and a bit more behind in terms of his fitness than we perhaps we thought. Yeah, I think what what we saw the other night would would suggest that we're not likely to see him against the hole no. in the starting lineup. Teams. No, no, I think the luxury is the club probably last season where he felt the need to rush back players like that because we were thin on the ground in certain areas. He he's got the luxury this season of being able to say to Chan, no, you know, you need to you need to build it up. Or, you know, I'm not bringing you back until you're 100 percent sharp. And I think that's you know, the way that he's approached things with Ings as well. And I think what the other night did show is how the squad does look a lot stronger this season. The fact that he made seven changes and, and Liverpool still won with something to spare. Um, and, you know, and that, you know, I think you know, when you think of the summer when he got rid of 13 players and brought in six, and there was obviously all the moans and groans about have Liverpool done enough in the window. You know, it's suddenly you look at the squad now, and I know things can quickly change a few bad results, a few players form dips. Few injuries start to stack up, but as it stands at the moment, you know it looks like Liverpool are well equipped for the challenges ahead. Origi was another interesting one on uh, on Tuesday, and the fact that again, me and James were talking during the game, he didn't look quite. You know, Klopp's mentioned the fact that he hasn't got his rhythm yet. I think yeah. it's fair enough. He was quite wasteful in the first half, but he he still scored a good goal, a little bit like his one he scored at, at Southampton. A bit. It was virtually a mirror image, wasn't it? Right. So he scores the goal, doesn't play particularly well. Came on against Chelsea, still not quite in his rhythm, and would have scored but for a great save by Courtois. So you've got somebody like him who's not anywhere near firing on all cylinders like he was towards the end of last season before he got his injury. And he's getting goals and forcing keepers into great saves. That can only all go well, especially with you know Daniel Sturridge and whatever's up with him this week. I think the uh, the moment where you knew Rigi wasn't quite firing all cylinders was when he had, uh, I think it was Keogh, to run at just one-on-one towards the end and he decided to try and try this sort of curly shot using the defender as a as a sort of almost like a wall to the keeper and uh, obviously went wide and to be honest it, you know he, he should have flown past that defender one-on-one and uh, you know been in on goal there was a moment first half first he half we should have passed to Firmino should have passed yeah. to Firmino and yeah. got the ball stuck, stuck among his feet didn't he you, so, you don't really want them kind of players to be peaking now anyway so especially how old is he now 21 22. He's, he's still 21, I think. 21, I think. Yeah, still yeah. got so much to learn, and yeah, you know, he's somebody again. He's somebody who you look next season. He's going to be playing quite a lot. Yeah. Um, well, listen, we'll leave Derby there. Uh, obviously, we've got the draw against Tottenham October 25th. That looks. Uh, had a look at the fixtures, um, and uh, you know, it's a, it looks like a brilliant time to play Tottenham. If, if uh, you know, they're, before they come to Anfield, their last the last three games are all away. Uh, way to Bournemouth the Saturday before I think 
before that midweek they're in Leverkusen and before that they're away at West Brom which is obviously a you know a, a tough enough physical game so by the time they come to Anfield it's their fourth away game on the trot and uh, hopefully they'll be sick of the sight of the team boss uh, <laughs> yeah I don't yeah it's, I mean it's you, you could have got an easier draw can you but I don't, I, you know, as you said I don't think it's it's not the worst one and I think Klopp will be glad that it's at home you know having come through two tricky away away ties pretty comfortably um you know, I think you'd have taken anyone at home, and and you know, and you look at some of the other ties as well. And there's going to be some big clubs going out in this round, so I think you know, if you can get past Spurs, then then you do seriously start to start to think that Wembley's within your grasp. The League Cup's become a slightly odd competition now, I think, in the fact that the big teams have suddenly realised, hang on, this could give us an a a trophy, b a quick route into Europe. They play less games really than they ever did, but certainly they're in Europe because they're out with the first two rounds, and quite a lot of these teams are putting strong teams out, and you you saw Derby. We mentioned Liverpool made seven changes. How many did Derby make? It was a fair Five, amount. Five, I think. Yeah, yeah it's a fair amount, and they're struggling. So they, I wouldn't say they gave up the game, but if they really wanted and thought they had a great chance, they would have put out the full team. And I think it's when you have games like you know a lower league team against a Premiership team or a top Premiership team now, maybe even you know a top Premiership team against a mid-table one, they don't. You know, the, the lesser team doesn't seem to go at it quite as much as the top team because they think, oh, we've got no chance of winning, which. That goes against what cup competitions are, but what it's meant is that it's helped teams like Liverpool because look at last season they got to the final and I'd expect them to go run close again this year. Yeah, I think it also shows something about the strength of Premier League squads, doesn't it? Because mm. I think we saw, if we start talking about Hull who come to Anfield tomorrow, they made a load of changes in midweek as well. Uh, went to Stoke, mm. which is always, as they say, Stoke on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, whatever it was, always a difficult place to go. And uh, they got away with a 1 0 win. Uh, somewhat fortuitous. Was it 2 1? It was a bit jammy, wasn't oh, it? Yeah, right. yeah. Apologies. I did hear it was a bit fortuitous. So, um, you know, they've come off a good result. They obviously started the season pretty well and and then sort of their Premier League form has taken a couple of dips, but they've had some hard games. Uh, I wouldn't be expecting any, you know, walk in the park like Derby was tomorrow, Piercy, though I still expect Liverpool to win well and, and I'm almost like. Don't like myself for thinking like that because we, we you know, you wrote, uh, wrote a piece this week about the teams that have come to Anfield, you know, lesser teams, teams that ended up getting relegated, uh, teams from that bottom six or seven who've, who've come and taken points off Liverpool. Yeah, I think I was looking back and I, I, I couldn't quite believe it myself when I looked and saw that I think it was five of the bottom seven uh, last season came to Anfield and either drew or won. Um, you know, and a lot of those games were after. Klopp had, had taken the job, um, and I think it was interesting being at Melwood for the press conference on Thursday because um, Klopp got, got quite annoyed at a few questions, kind of questioning whether Liverpool have an issue with these kind of games, and, and saying, you know, what, you know, why, you know, the, the fact you're even asking me this means there's a problem with the expectation. You know, why do you think it's going to be easy? But you know, why should these games be easy? And he, you know, he pointed out, you know, we've gone and win one games this season where people didn't expect us to. So why can't you know? It, surely it follows that other teams. Can beat us in games that we're expected to win, but the kind of the more you spoke about it, the more you thought he actually does know that Liverpool do have an issue with these kind of games <laughs> because it was it was I thought it was quite significant that he he kind of like pointed at the fans as well and said you know we, you know they have got a part to play as well and he talked about um, how in games like this he said you know too often when a chance goes begging there's groans and people think oh my god here we here we go again compared to he said if you're playing against a big team and you create a chance and you miss it. You know, everyone roars and gets behind the team and says, "Go on, go again." So I think he feels as if the anxiety 
plays a part and that that transmits from the stands to the pitch um, and that that is an issue when the lower key teams come to Anfield. Now, hasn't it? The thing is, it goes back way beyond Klopp's time. You know, you, 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 I was looking, you know, it's frightening when you look back at some of the teams who have come to Anfield and the sheer number of them that have taken something for their troubles. A lot of them have been relegated teams. You think of you know, Sunderland and Newcastle last season, but all, you know, came, came and got a draw. You think of the, the you know, Palace won. You think about under dog leash, you know, Wigan won at Anfield, didn't they? I think West Brom won at Anfield, Fulham won at Anfield, under Hodgson, you know, Blackpool, Wolves, and it, and it goes back beyond that, even even to when Liverpool were challenging for the title in 2008-9, there was that draw against Hull, which which proved really costly. So I don't know whether it's a psychological thing, um, or, you know, I think sometimes the atmosphere as well can be subdued at Anfield on days like this, but I think Klopp's definitely aware of it, and he was desperate to ensure that they put that right on Saturday afternoon. The thing about this is that it's not exclusive to Liverpool. If you look at any team, any of the big clubs, they'll have big games against other big teams. If they get a good result and, and they're playing somebody who's slightly lesser at home the next week, it'll almost always be a struggle because you know these teams are fired up for it and you're naturally, well, I don't know how much you try it or not, you're not going to be quite as much up for it as you will be against a better team. That's just natural. That's just that's human nature. But the difference is that the best teams have got better players, which means that when they're not quite firing on all cylinders, they can still manage to eke out a win, or they'll find a way to win a game. That's what that's how you win the league. That's why Liverpool haven't won it for so long, is because they haven't been able to get over this problem for the large part. And then maybe it has become a psychological problem, not so much with the players, but with the fans. And yeah. As James said, maybe there is that whole kind of... Oh, they miss a chance. Oh, whereas if they're playing, I don't know, like Man City or United at home, they miss a chance to go. Oh, yeah, well, let's let's go again, another chance. Whereas against somebody like Hull or last season against Sunderland or Newcastle, they're thinking, oh, well, here, here we go, it's going to be one of those days. But you never really say that, you know, when Liverpool are playing someone like Man City or or Chelsea, you don't think, oh, it's going to be one of those days after ten minutes. But, but if they're playing as some of the lesser teams. Some fans think that, and that does transmit itself to the players. Well, I mean, I think the manager's already felt it, hasn't he? I mean, it was interesting, he was talking, James, yesterday about this, uh, you know, the difference between the afternoon and the evenings. You know, obviously we're used to sort of, you know, there's something a bit special about a night game under the floodlights, everything yeah. else. And you can already feel then you get that sort of almost languid, let's let's just enjoy the sunshine, hopefully, and, and the game when you come in an afternoon. And Klopp's already felt it, and this is why he keeps talking about, you know, let's try and do something special at three o'clock on a Saturday. And it tends to be these games, that the games that Liverpool are actually involved in at 3pm on a Saturday, tend to be these type of games, these lesser games, because they yeah. don't become the TV, 5.30 yeah. TV game. They don't become the Wednesday night, eight o'clock game on the telly or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's these lesser games that are three o'clock on a Saturday, run of the mill, if you like, and that's a that's a scary phrase for Liverpool because you know as you've outlined that they haven't been run of the mill, have they? And they, um, it'll just the question is: Is this Liverpool side different? The only evidence we've had so far is Burnley, but that was a bit different, obviously away from home for a start. Only the second game of the season for a start. No Mane. Um, the question is: You know, are Liverpool now sort of purring to such an extent they can sort of swipe these sides aside? And I think a lot of fans. I think that possibly they can. Yeah, and I, I go along with that. I think Burnley was a was a bit of an anomaly in that you know not it wasn't just a case of having all the ball not be able to break them down. Liverpool basically conceded such a horrendous early goal that they gave Burnley absolutely no need to to venture out their half, and then they did it again just before half time. So, and I, I think Liverpool are better defensively now. I think the Lovren Matip partnership has strengthened them. Um, you know, I, I think they'll they are, you know. 
I know they haven't kept a clean sheet in the Premier League yet this season, but I, you know, I, I don't think Hull will get the kind of gifts that we've seen dished out, uh, certainly at Burnley. Um, and I think you're right. I think you know, even at Burnley, we didn't you know, Liverpool didn't have Sado Mane. I think he's a he's a you know exactly the kind of player that you need to unlock a defence when teams are, are coming and defending in real numbers with that that pace and ingenuity that he's got. Um, and I think Liverpool, you know, with the form they're in at the moment, you know, I, I think they have got the the kind of the weaponry to to find a way past teams like Hull. Um, but you know, there's no this in a funny kind of way. Saturday's game does feel almost just as big as the one at Chelsea last week because it's a completely different type of test. And you know, I think it's a big one for Klopp as well because these are the type of games that he's struggled in as a manager as well since he's been at Liverpool to to find the right plan to win the game. You know, his record against the top clubs is sensational, but you know he knows that for Liverpool to to really mount a challenge, that they've got to start putting teams like Hull to the sword. What will also help in terms of the atmosphere is the fact that it's still going to be novel to everybody who's there. I mean, Liverpool have played seven games this season and six of them have been away, so a lot of the fans will be. Just desperate to see them play, yeah, yeah. and the the expectation level will just only increase because of the last two results. So, I feel I feel because of the football that Liverpool play, not just the result, mm. but it's it's entertaining and attractive generally. And I, you know, I, I can't wait to go to the match tomorrow. Do you understand me? And it's not you know there's some there's some seasons where you sort of you go out of loyalty, don't you? But you're not really expecting to be I mean, massively entertained. Talking, but, talking to neutrals, I think if Liverpool are on telly. They're more inclined now to go. Oh, I wouldn't mind watching that simply because you know it's going to be exciting. You know, you, there's going to be chances, there's going to be shots, there's probably going to be the manager running up and down on the touchline doing something silly. But you know, it's making Liverpool a team that people who don't support Liverpool watch. So that's going to transmit itself even further to people who do want to watch Liverpool. And in terms of the visitors, threats-wise, Snodgrass seems to be the the main threat from set piece. I think he's their top scorer this uh, season already, and. Uh, um, he'll obviously play on their right, with, you know, against James Milner. But he tends to cut in on his left foot a lot. Pierce, that should suit Milner, okay? Shouldn't yeah, it? it should do. Yeah, and I think Milner, Milner's another one that we haven't discussed. But I think you know he he's been another important part of why Liverpool have done so well this season. With you know, rewind three weeks, and that was obviously a, a big kind of big issue for supporters. The fact they hadn't signed the left back, and the fact that no one's talking about it now is is testament to Milner. Really, I think you know, Hull have exceeded expectations so far, haven't they? I think you go back to. You know, when Steve Bruce walked away in, in protest at the lack of business, I think in late July, and there's been all this talk about a takeover, you, you, you thought, you know, I think they had 13 fit first team players for the opening weekend against Leicester, and you thought, you know, God, this, you know, they, 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 they are not ready for Premier League football, and, and they, go, they go and beat the champions, and I think they, they beat Swansea the following week as well. Um, you know, and I know they've fallen away a little bit since then, but I think, you know, the two games they've lost were, you know, I think United and Arsenal. Um, and you know on their travels so far this season they've been unbeaten. So and they've got a you know, they, they might not be a team with much star quality, but Mike Phelan is a, a vastly experienced coach who knows a thing or two about the game. And you know it's no great surprise that, that it looks like he's gonna he's gonna get the job on a, on a permanent basis. So you know they will be well drilled, they will be well organised. I think you know Klopp was at pains when he was talking about parking the bus. He, he said I'm not talking about Hull. You know he didn't want to be derogatory in terms of the way. He described they were going to approach it, but they will part the bus, and and it's and it's and it's down to Liverpool to to find a way way through. And um, you know, I, I think we'll know a lot more about whether this Liverpool side are capable of challenging uh, the top end of the table come come five o'clock on Saturday. Ian, the only team selection apart from the keeper, which we've already discussed, likely to be Sturridge or Firmino up front. Any thoughts? No, oh, if Sturridge is fit, he's playing for me. 
but I've said, I've said this a few times now. If he's fit, play him. He's the best striker they've got. They haven't said that. Firmino, Firmino sorry, is the second best finisher at the club, but he's always going to play anyway, no matter where. So so who are you leave now if you have to throw down for me now then? Mm. Hmm. Well, you've got 12. Oh, yeah, I've got to play 12. <laughs> no, I... Oh, you put me on the spot there. Um, it's it's a difficult one, time? isn't it? Well, yeah. it, it I mean, you'd have to leave out... Because Wijnaldum, Henderson and Alana pick themselves really as the three in midfield, so then... Well, Alana didn't play... Yeah, Alana didn't play in midweek, he'll, so he's he'll come play. back. And then, and then you've got to pick three out of... Coutinho, Firmino, unless this, Mane and Sturridge. Unless this is the game where you don't you give Firmino a rest. Yeah, but I mean, he, he came off after about, what, 70, 75 yeah. at Derby. Um, he just Sturridge, seems to be maybe, in a great run of maybe form. maybe just isn't fit, so he's... Yeah, I just wonder whether he might... Because you think about going back to the start of the season before Arsenal, where I think Sturridge only trained for a couple of days that week, and, and Klopp said, no, you know, you haven't trained all week, forget it. And you just wonder whether... I think he said yesterday he expected Sturridge to be back in full training later on on Thursday. Um, so that would have only have given him <coughs> two days of training before the game. Now, at this stage of the season, I don't think that's a big deal. But you just wonder whether Klopp might think, well, you know, if he hasn't trained all week, maybe have Sturridge on the bench. But it's a nice position to be in. It's a brilliant position. It's, uh, it, you suspect there have been hardly anything in it. He might just go, well, OK. Uh, Daniel, you missed one day of training, so we'll we'll, we'll leave you on the bench and uh, and and possibly go with Firmino. He's in such uh, good form. But anyway, uh, hopefully you're all looking forward to, uh, to either watching or getting along to uh, Anfield tomorrow for the game. Hopefully, uh, a good three points for the Reds and some uh, very attractive football to watch too. We'll be back next week, hopefully with three points in the bag. Thanks for listening. <laughs>